Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends. It's Navigate with IDNANG. It's such an honor and privilege to be sharing with you. This has been an interesting beginning because we've been looking at the Rule Breakers Manual, and it's really a drawing inference from a book put together by Roger Maviti. If this is your first time of joining the program, I bid you welcome. For those that have been on, it's um, a continuation of our business school series, and this time around, we are looking at how to win at work by doing things differently. And this basically speaks to most of us who are business owners and those of us who want to venture into new businesses. So whether you call us micro, small, medium, entrepreneurs or enterprises, whichever way you may fit it, that's where this will lead you on that charge. And one of the things I'd said to you is that I'll be reviewing several literature and books and works that have been done and listing that with some practical ideas and experiences will make this business school come alive just as the same way you would need a natural dimension and fit for your clothes if you go to your tailor or your designer so sit back and relax as we look at um, a very interesting topic within this uh, business series and it's really starting from the standpoint of making the dream of your own business a reality. Now, you know, in the last couple of episodes, I did speak to a very daring dimension when I asked the question, do you dare to start your own business? And in that whole space, I said, those eight words were very significant and it's something that you need to ponder. And beyond that, I said that there are two things that are very critical. That for you to start your own business, you require passion and a strong central idea. Passion is very critical. A strong central idea is equally critical. But then it requires very careful planning, but you need raw courage. It's not stepping into a business terrain. It's not uh, cheap stakes. It is something that you must really be ready to embrace, be ready to take on the different dimensions and forces that will come through. And at some point, you need to balance the conflicting forces. And on that note, it takes you into a space where you need to ask very special questions. For example, you need to plan every aspect of the new business or the business you want to embark upon. You need to know what it is going to be called. You'll ask yourself, what's it going to be called? You need to know who you need to go and partner with. So basically asking, who are you going to do it with? And sometimes you also need to have a place and you'll be asking the question, where will you work from? And finally, when it comes to finances, how much money do you need? I mean, starting a new business has to cover everything from the big points right down to the detail of even having your business card knocked out and not to talk of staffing. It's a lot. So when we come to this space where we are talking about making the dream a reality, there are certain things you must actually take off. If you don't, then you probably may not have a sustainable platform, um, despite the fact that you may have a good central idea, you may have the passion, but making the dream a reality could be a challenge. Friends, if you want to be your own boss, if you want to have a good dose of passion and a strong central idea for the business, you must understand that much is required of you. If you feel you have plucked up the courage to strike out on your own, you are presently on a nine-to-five journey, you are in that journey, and then, like they say, your take-home does not take you home, and your head is running in circles, 
and you can visualize opportunities, you need a dose of courage to launch out. Launching out to the deep is one of the biggest challenges that people ever experience. I shared my own experience in the last two episodes of how I had to run Corporate Shepherds in the last 13 years. It's not been cheap stakes, but it's taking grace, if taking the will, and not just the will, the willpower. It's taking more than the willpower. It's also taking the grace of God. Because I tell you, it is not something you just can wish away. You need to stick in and stay through. And staying through means that you have a commitment. A commitment to keep that core idea alive. I'll give you an example. This program runs every Tuesday and Thursday, by the grace of God. It has run close to five years and ticking. Now, I can tell you for a fact that it takes a lot to be consistent and committed to it. You could tune in by God's grace on Tuesday, and you will definitely find that, oh, Navigate with ID is on air. You'll tune in on a Thursday, oh, Navigate with ID is on air. The whole cacophony of forces are putting it all together. And that is in itself a commitment. So it's not just about me. It's about my producer. It's about the station. It's about a beautiful um, radio butterfly who's always ensuring that these things happen on the station. It's about the entire entity, back end, front end. It's about my colleagues at Corporate Shepherds. It's about everybody coming together, rallying around a dream to make that dream a reality. But this is where some things need to shift about the person. And the person, it's about the gears changing from the right brain to the left brain. And some of you wonder, what is he talking about? There's always that dilemma between thorough planning and the willingness to act, especially when there's a tension between the left brain thinking, which is, I must plan it properly before I do anything. And of course, the right brain thinking, which speaks to, I want to do it, so I will do it. So the left brain is continuously scrubbing, scrubbing, planning, but the right brain is, let's do it, let's go ahead. That tension happens. So this is where you need to change gear from the right brain. I'm going to do it to the left brain. You have the passion. Now you need to plan. You must plan. So I'm shifting you to the left brain thinking. And no matter how fired up you may be, you now need to translate that ambition you have into organization. Without proper organization, you cannot make the dream a reality. No matter how small you may perceive that business to be. You know, I love the military uh, campaigns. I, I, I've always said this, for those of you that know me very well, that have followed this program, you would know that I have a very soft spot for, for military campaigns. And um, I need not tell you again that, you know, when I look back, if you ask me what are those things that I did not accomplish, there are two of them. One, that I was not in the military. I didn't join the military, thanks to my mom. And the second thing, uh, being able to fly as a pilot. So if I had joined the military, I would have been either in the Air Force or the Navy. One of the two would have been my preferred. Um, and if I didn't, you know, walk through any of those, it meant that God wanted to put me on a different path. And that path, I have no regrets about. But I want you to remember that if you want to start a business, you need to take the business as a project. You need to plan your project, that business idea, like a military campaign. Why do I say a military campaign? I'd like you to watch um, certain war movies. For example, an old classic um, movie is The Band of Brothers. It's, I still have the original DVDs in my house. If you can watch that movie, The Band of Brothers, you will see what I mean. A military campaign... Um, is one that has end-to-end, -end, all the departments, everything at, at play. One swell sequence, just one sequence, and everybody knows what they need to do, where they need to be, and how they need to be. If for any reason something else happens, 
the mission is either aborted or something needs to happen either at the at the trenches the commanding officer needs to make a call and so in this particular space you are the commanding officer you need to sit yourself down somewhere quiet with proper time and a blank pad you need to sit back and begin to make a list of every detail remember it's like planning a military campaign for example want to take a territory if you want to take a territory you know that you must plan adequately you must have some intel you must have um a good measure of communication you must have the artillery you must have the firepower you must have all and sundry both kinetic and non-kinetic forces will help you win that war in the same manner you bring that into planning for this business of yours that you want to make this dream of yours a reality now when you make a list of every detail which needs to be resolved one thing i'll say to you is don't deal with them at this stage don't start dealing with them just list now the idea is not to solve problems but to identify them you need to identify the areas where there are challenges you need to understand in the course of this checklist you are basically dropping things from your head and if you are one of those that is a good collaborator who looks to asking other questions others questions you will be able to glean on the experience of others to enhance and uh, your lists because creating a checklist of all the tasks and the things you need to do will help you create your battle plan remember i'm talking about this in the context of prosecuting a military campaign so if for instance you want to manufacture something or you want to produce something either for consumption or for a service you need to have an understanding of who your end user is sometimes your end user may not necessarily be the purchaser and so you have to walk through the minds and then ensure that the end user and the purchaser have a link that is connected to you but that link will only work when the product that you are putting on the table meets the end user's you know uh, need and so you want to look at this within that context or you want to provide a service you have to now say to yourself this business of mine is going to be a project uh who and who will require my services you know i was just sitting back yesterday was it yesterday or two days ago i was telling my wife that you know waste disposal is actually a very good business um the loma guys that come to take the waste in our area they've been off for like two weeks and then um, that has created some undue tension around you know waste and all of that and i said um you know going to the loma office to ask questions and they said to us oh sorry the truck that is supposed to come has broken down and they the parts are just um, they're not able to get the parts and the question was do you guys have a backup no that's the only one that services the area and i immediately i just said to myself these guys are not in business somebody is sleeping on duty how can you have a fleet how can you have trucks whether they are outsourced or by sourced whatever form or shape it's absolute disaster for you to tell people that the truck is out and there is no replacement it tells you that nobody thought through people just went into this waste disposal business simply because they just want to be collecting money they have no clue about administration they have no clue about planning they have no clue about how to manage the epicenter and which is the real ox that brings in the grain that truck in itself must be serviced and kept as clean as you taking a bath every day and there must be a backup so instantly i said to my wife i said do you see that this is a great opportunity um but if you want to venture into this you're going to find all the bells and whistles and obstacles that will tell you you cannot have or run this business of course you know what it is there are all kinds of shenanigans that live in that i'm giving that as an example so if you are running such a business how on earth would you have 20 trucks 25 trucks and you don't have two 
backup. How on earth would you not have a workshop that will keep some parts? There are some parts of trucks that you know because of the wear and tear, they're going out every day. You know, these parts will naturally depreciate and they'll be there ready. There are some things I will tell you that these trucks need to go for service. When they go for service, there will be trucks ready to sit in and fit in. And when those ones return, they return back to the beat and then you have the reserve. Go back into reserve. So for every 25, you have two. For every 10, you have one. Have a principle around it. And then you have a root plan. That is a very basic dimension. But if you check the operators, they don't have it. They may have it, but guess what? They have it on paper. But when it comes to execution, it falls on its face flat. So I'm going to list out some things I suggest need to be you know, on your list. By the way, I'm not trying to help you figure out what your list should be. I have no clue about your business. If you want me to have a clue, then it means that um, you want to have me as a consultant. And of course, um, that is possible. That's part of what I do. But I'm just trying to lead the charge because this is a business school. We want to take it down to brass tacks. I want to have the average individual out there who does not have a chance to go to a business school, who does not have the opportunity or the wherewithal to go for an MBA, to see how he or she can get some form of education or knowledge that will help him become better, a better performer, be more productive, and of course, will be of use to his family and the community and the nation at large. Never mind. I believe that the more knowledgeable people are about business, the more opportunities we'll have around um, productivity. So when you hear GDP, it's not dropping from the sky. You know, it's a correlation uh, between our population and the level of domestic productivity. And that's what it is. So let's look at some of the things I would suggest, you know, and this is also piggybacking on what Rijamaviti had. And I'll be able to paraphrase that with some of my uh, own personal experience and be able to share with you what you need to do. So if you have your pen, you have your parchment with you, let's roll. The first one is finance. You know, when it comes to finance, uh, a lot of people when they talk about making their business idea or the dream become a reality. Finance is the first thing you will always hear people talk about. Just call an average or random person and say, hey, what is that big thing that is keeping you away from making it or starting your business? You know what they're going to say to you? It's finance. And the next, the next natural question you'll ask is, how much money will you need? And you hear, um, I'm not so sure, but I know that um, maybe mm, if I have five million, yeah, what does that tell you? That that person is not battle ready. The next question you'll ask, try what I'm saying to you. Just call some random guy who wants to go into business and say, how much of this can you afford to put in? The next thing you'll hear is, uh, I have some savings, Shah, but I don't think it will, it's not enough. Mm. So you can naturally put the next question. Where do you think the rest will come from? So you need 5 million. How much do you have? How much can you afford to put in to make this start or kickstart this uh, project or business? So maybe I've, I've managed to save like 100,000. A hundred thousand, and you look at the person in the eye, you know, uh, from five million that you require. Don't forget the five million is just top of the head, a scratch on the head, and saying, How much money will you need? And the person looks at you and then sizes and says, uh, This boss can probably just give me this five million. This is a testimony I'll go and give in church to. Now, five million, let me give him five million. If last, last, the man will say, Okay. Five million is too much. Last, last, you'll come down to three. I will still get something inside. That is the way a lot of micro and small business entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs think. They are not ready. They are not thinking. 
they have no idea because they never ever imagine that going into business is like a military campaign. It's like having a battle plan. You need to have a battle plan. You need to have your armory stock. You need to have personnel. And you need to have a sense of where your enemy or what you'd have to do in terms of your mission. So it's not enough that your business just kicks off. What is the essence of that business? Finance is going to come as an enabler to bring that core idea to life. So if you don't know how much money you need, if you have not put away some funds, you don't have your own residual equity, and you have no idea where the rest will come from. So what's going to happen to you? It means one or two things that you are either very, very, I don't want to use the word, ignorant, or you have just seen something, you're another Babiala on, on, the, on the loose. You know what Babiala is? You're just a beggar. You're looking for someone that will come and, you know, fan your embers and make you look good. That doesn't work. So finance is a very critical aspect because you need to put this together in a sense that will allow the oil. It's like the engine oil that we put into our cars. Without the engine oil, your engine will not. Finance is like that because ultimately it falls back on the value of that money. So if some of the money that you need will be borrowed, you'll have to ask yourself, yourself the question, will you be able to pay it back? It is at that stage you then have to put together a business plan. And remember, on this same program, we talked about how to write a business plan. So in writing your business plan, you need to begin the process of looking at the elements that will make up this beautiful business plan and where you want to take it from and how you want to close it. That business plan will ultimately land you in the gateway of how do I finance it? If I'm going to borrow this money, how will I get this money paid? Where would I get it paid? And when would I get it paid? Writing your business plan, which is like your business strategy, it's distinguishing yourself and putting on paper what needs to come to life. But many people have the so-called business plan on paper, and it's a little more than a discussion document. They just keep it there, but they never activate it um, to bring it to life. So if you are writing a business plan, you must think, like I did say about um, those two Greek philosophers then, I talked about Socrates and I, talk about, I talked about Demosthenes. Demosthenes was the action man, while Socrates you know, was the one that always thought. So the purpose of a business plan isn't just to define what you want to achieve. It is to define how you are going to achieve it. The bottom line is it's going to be about the money because it starts and stops with the money. The money will talk about value. The money will be what you will take. So don't joke about it. And your checklist, finance is key. Yes, I agree. But you need to know how much money you will need. You can only know how much money you need if you grab your pen, if you sit down and articulate what this business is. If you're going through the value chain, what exactly am I expecting out of it? Whether I'm providing a service or I'm to be served or I'm actually product, providing a product, if I'm going to produce it, what does it take for me to have my input cost? What does it take for me to have the final uh, cost? What does it take when I look at the pricing? What is my pricing model? What is my business model? How do I bring all of this together? If at the end of the day, you need to borrow some money, you can choose between having to go to the bank to or some institution to get the money or you want to bring in partners. You want people to come in, bring in their own funds and then you guys can actually look at this from a shareholding standpoint. So finance is very key and it's not something you want to toy with. It's important that you understand that if you are going to be borrowing this money, you must be tight in discipline. 
if you are not tight and you don't have discipline, you could easily run yourself under in no time. And this is why accountability is very, very key. You need to have the right professional to help you manage your finances. There are loads of young people who start businesses and do not think that they need to have an accountant. They think that they probably are in the age of technology, which I agree. You have a certain app, AWP, AWP. That app, I said it the last time, will always put you in trouble because you could end up giving yourself a good slap. And that slap will come when either you make the wrong move, then you get hit on the face by yourself. And you need to know that finance is very key. So the first item I put on that list was finance. The second item will be income. You see why I talked about the business plan. And as I go into all of the elements, you'll see the imputed intricacies of necessarily having a business plan. Income. As the word connotes, income. And it's about the major question. And that major question is, how much will you expect to earn from your customers? And how long will it take for that money to come in? This is a big question. We'll be back on the second half as we look at these very essential um, elements that you need to put in your list if you want to make your dream become a reality. And that dream of owning a business will certainly become a reality. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's still Navigate with ID. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, dear friends. It's Navigate with ID, and it's such an honor and privilege to share with you today. If you're just joining us, I bid you welcome. We're just looking at a very interesting topic. It's about how you make the dream of owning your own business a reality. And, um, you know, we've been on a good dose of um, back-to-back conversations, um, starting from, you know, a couple of weeks back when we looked at how to write a business plan. And um, if you needed to write a business plan, what you are required to do, how you deal with the fact that you must be confident, make sure the plan is simple, the concept must have a strong central idea and you must back it up in passion because passion is what makes everything work down the precipice. However, we then said, you know, in the course of this program that you need to change gears from right brain, which is about, you know, doing, I want to do it, so I'll do it, to left brain. The left brain thinking is about planning and planning properly. And so it's within the ambits of this that I did say that if you want to start or make your business idea a reality, you need to plan your project like a military campaign. You need to sit yourself down somewhere very quiet and begin to articulate a checklist of all the tasks you will need and begin to walk through what I call your own battle plan. And the first item we looked at was finance. And the second, just before we took the break, was income. And the income there, is really answering the question within the ambits of how much will you expect to earn from your customers and how long will it take for that money to come? I find this quite an interesting one. I know, you know, there are a lot of young people now who have some little creative hot shops here and there, not registered though, not necessarily paying taxes though, but you should, you should register a proper business. So there's some of you there that are just gifted or you've learned one or two things from some course you attended during COVID, post-COVID, you're now bringing it to life. And then you don't even know how to price or how you need to get some things from your, from your clients. How much do you expect to earn? So you're a graphic designer, for example, and then what do you charge? And I, I see that conflict happen. And I see some being extremely greedy. You call some young graphic designer and say, can you put this together for me? And it gives you a, a, a six-figure type of bill. And you look at him and say, where's this guy coming from? And he loses it just instantly. Whereas one is not asking you 
you know, to while away your time. But one, one, one is expecting is that you would have thought through what it takes for you, the production time, if it's in terms of minutes, seconds, hours, what is the cost of your time? What is the value of your time per second, per minute, per hour, per day? So if it's going to take you a day to put a work together, then you charge your client what it takes. Then you can give some buffer or discount, whichever way. But you must know how much you expect to earn from your customers. In like manner, if you're someone who's producing a certain product or service, you must understand how this product is going to be perceived and adopted by the end user. How much is the end user willing to pay? And affordability is another thing. It's one thing to be willing to pay. It's another thing to be able to afford to pay. The third item that you have on your list is a stock. Stock, S-T-O-C-K. Now, this is also common because a lot of business people go into trading or buying and selling or they are able to see an opportunity and optimize it, the stock and move. What do I mean? I know that my friend has a store. She sells uh, clothes, for example, and then I can go as a middleman. So there are so many opportunities that come within that range. Now, the question you'll be asking yourself is, do you have to buy stuff before you sell it? So are you someone that has to buy before you sell? And if so, how much do you need and who will supply you? It's about the stock. Nothing else. And thank God for this day where you don't have to physically take on some warehousing. The warehouse could be your room. The warehouse could just be your garage. The warehouse could be an empty room that is unutilized in your parents' home. But back to the question I talked about finance, you need to have a plan and you need to have a cost for that stock. I mean, the warehousing of that stock. Because you're not going to live with your parents forever. Your business is going to grow. If you are not used to understanding that warehousing has to be appropriated, that is the cost of warehousing, you will be living a full, gloated life of ignorance because you think the profit you're making is real. It's abnormal because all the costs, the elements have not come in. Your operational costs are not in there. Your operational expenses are not all there. You are enjoying the benefit of power because you are living with your parents. You are enjoying the benefit of space because you're living with your uncle. You're enjoying the benefit of time because you are in some other person's climb, taking advantage or leveraging the assets they have. If you are doing that and in that space and you want to make your dream a reality, you need to put a cost and a value to it. All of that is what will determine how much you will earn as income from your customers potentially. But it does not take away from the big question about stock. Do you have to buy stuff before you sell it? And if that is the case, how much do you need? How much stock do you need? How well are you going to handle it? So if you're into food, you know that you must have a certain stocking rule, the FIFO rule, first in, first out. Okay? Whatever has come in from the back, you start loading from the back and selling from the back. You don't go with the lasting first out because your best before dates will go bonkers. Stock management is very key. Then knowing who will supply that stock is another thing. It's like starting um, a small business. Many years ago, I was saying to my wife, I said to her, you know what, maybe we'll do kind of dexterity you have with catering. Then she she used to cater and she still, when she has some time, she just wants to be nice um, to her friends. She helps them cater. Then she was fully into catering and could cater for us, uh, as large a crowd as 5,000. So I used to say to her that maybe we, she should think about starting a business by actually, you know, going backward integration, being able to, organize some of these wholesalers in uh, not to carry in the K2, for example, and then you have you become an off-taker. So what do you do? You would know that every day, every weekend, you will commit to taking, for example, four bags or baskets of tomatoes 
four baskets of oranges, four baskets of onions, something like that. So the suppliers know that, you know, Dr. Mrs. Zenang will pick up this four bags from me every weekend and they begin to come through with it. That's how you begin to think about who will supply you. Then you have an agreement. Then you also will have a backup. What if they're not able to give you the three? What if your off-takers don't come rather than pick up the four? Do you have a storage capacity? Do you have the capability to handle it for another 72 hours? Where will you keep them? Are they perishables? Are they non-perishables? That is all you need in the quest as you want to bring this business of yours alive. Don't take it for granted and just say, oh, it's stuck. Um, I'll pick anybody. No, it has to be well-planned and well-articulated. The fourth item on your list, if you are trying to make this a reality, let's talk about offices. I know we are in the age where folks work from home. I, I can't remember. I've not been to my office in the last two weeks. I have an office at home and I'm operating on the go. Why is that possible? Technology. Now, not everybody will require an office, but seriously speaking, if you are in a kind of business that requires someone to know where you are, the physical address, please get an office. But then I'm saying, you need to also ask yourself, can you work from home? And if so, will that look small time to others? How would they feel if you're going to have some um, big clients and then you give them the address and they come in and uh, having to walk through your living room to get into one of the rooms you designated, that doesn't look tidy. So if you need an office, the question is where? And if you answer the question is where, you are going to answer the other question and at what cost. You see how it cycles back, back to finance? How much money will you need? How much of this can you afford? How much are you willing you know, to put on the table? And how much income do you expect to earn from your customers when they come knocking? That is the link that comes through when you are making your dream a reality. But some just take it for granted. Some also make the mistake, oh, I want people to just know I'm starting my business. Oh, I have a, I have a store at Lucky One. Yeah. Um, you want to feel good. You want to, how do they say? You want to bam bam. Hmm? You want to chill with the big boys. So you run kitty kitty and run kata kata and go to Lucky or VI, open an office. And at what cost? You've not even had one customer working. That is a recipe for disaster. Think small, act big. Many people don't understand that it takes a seed to make a tree. It takes a seed to create that fruit. So start small, but have your head on your shoulders. Think. Left brain, thinking. That's what we are applying now. If you are applying the right brain, I will do it, I will do it. You jump into the lagoon and you will, well, God help you, you will have your safety, you know, kit on you. If not, you're just going to sink. Your business goes down immediately. And you wonder, why do businesses fold up? So many people make this business, um, you know, a showbiz thing. Uh, why would you want to show off? I don't care. You know, I was saying to a lot of my friends the other day that I've known Peter B for donkey years, right from my time in Coke. And he was one of my customers. The first meeting I had with Peter was, I went to his office inside the market. Now I'm not trying to uh, make him seem like uh, not within this season with all of that. This is not an endorsement. But I'm letting you see how this man, and when I read everything about him and I went to see him, it was smack in the middle of the market. Uh, because I needed to approve uh, his, his um, entity doing business with us at Coca-Cola then. Now, I'm talking about years ago, now, over two decades, if not three. Now, would you do that? If it's necessary, do it. Go smack him. Put your office right in there, in the middle of the market. That's your office. You are near the market. Everybody will be the pathway to your doorstep. You don't have to go to Lekki or you have to go to GRA to... Who are you forming for? Offices, yes. Fix it. At what cost? Let it be part of your finance. Let it be part of your business plan. 
The fifth thing on your list, depending on which type, what type of business and which type of industry you play, is equipment. There you'll be asking yourself, what kit do you need? What type of machines would you require? Almost certainly, you need a laptop and some software, but what else? So if it's just me, myself, and I, I need a, just a briefcase. So a briefcase is part of your equipment that will house the, the laptop. The software is not seen. So that means you have a briefcase business. You don't have an office. You're almost like an insurance agent. But every insurance agent has an office somewhere where they go back end of day to you know, put all their things together. What I'm saying in essence, friends, this business school is looking at a wide array of opportunities. I'm not putting myself in one boat, neither am I putting myself in one space. I'm talking about suggestions about what should be on your list because you're about to create your own battle plan. You want to make your dream become a reality. You are about what you require and what you need. The sixth item on your list and a very critical item is partners. Whoa, this is a big piece. Remember, I did say to you, it's important in the course of business, when you are about to start your business, one of the things you'll be asking yourself is, who are you going to do it with? You know, I talked about where will you work from? This one about partners, very key. It is very key for you to understand if you're going to do this on your own. So are you going to do it on your own? It's a tough journey if you do, depending on the industry, the sector, or where you want to play. If it's a simple buy and sell type thing, maybe, yeah, you can go it all. But you still need partners. You need people you'll buy from. But equally, if you're doing it with partners, it is crucial to make the right choice. The wrong partner will lead you to a wrong place and the business will go down. Have you seen what the wrong partners, wrong, strange, bad fellows do to each other? How businesses go down the drain? They spend a lifetime going to court. Why? Because trust broke down just like yesterday. And because trust broke down, one person took the other for granted and the other just felt he or she was used and the battle began. So it is crucial to make the right choice because you're going to be together for a long time. It's almost like, but not, almost like I said, marriage. You have to, the same lens of dexterity, look through your lens very well. Choose ye the right partner. Early in the year, when we started the business school, I talked and thought about strategic partnership. Strategic partnership is very key. You can't get into bed with anybody you teach. No. That person has to be strategic to where you're going. The seventh thing that should be on your list is ownership. Ownership. Who owns the business? When you start your business, should you own 100%? It's possible if you have an enterprise or you want to have a co-share. But it's very easy to see that whittle away because if you start with 100%, uh, and thank God, you know, these days where the, the, the karma uh, law has actually been revised, so it makes it easier for people to own limited liability entities, um, limited entities, and then unlike before, you need to have a stipulated number of partners that will drive a business. Now, you can just go on that traction 100%, but it's very easy to see that whittle away. You know why? When you now start giving shares to partners or to people who are investing in your business, you will have to then begin to reduce yours. So ownership is something you do not take for granted. Many of us who start businesses take ownership for granted. You need to be very strategic. And you also need to be strategic because if you take on partners that will come and under the guise of, um, oh, they are coming in with you. Let me give you a classic example. 
you may choose to say, okay, I'm going to have 40% share. And then 60, I'm going to give to four other people. What you don't know is that those guys can buy you out. And if those guys gang up and they buy up, maybe one person buys up the others, you become a minority overnight. The next thing, the ownership of your business is gone. This is where I have a big challenge with Shylocks. There are a lot of sharks out there. Who are these sharks? These sharks are men who have the money, the way we don't. These men are evil. You know why they are evil? Young people take ideas to them and show them. And under the guise of uncle, brother, they invest in the business and they tell the young people, oh, just, you know what? Yeah, uh, let me just take a silent, um, I'll take a silent partnership um, and um, I'll give you all the money you require. So tell me, I'll just probably take half 50-50. Now, you'll make the mistake of saying, ah, there's a big brother, is an uncle, 50-50 is not bad. After all, he brought all the 50 million that we required to set up the business. Somewhere along the line, the business begins to expand. That individual will find a way to cripple what you're doing so he can take everything. And it gets to a point where either sabotage comes in or some form where that person decides, I think I'm seeing the light with this business. I need to take out this young man or this partner. It happens every day. Ownership is something you must never take for granted. On one hand, it is good to know about ownership. It is good to plan for it. It's good to be strategic. On the other hand, you have to incentivize others. But once you've started to share that 100% or a part of your business, you will never get it back. Except, of course, you buy back the shares. So I would advise you, it is better to be selfish at the beginning. If you can get away with it, be selfish and think about yourself first. Don't just throw away everything into the hands of some other stranger simply because he's coming with a stroke of pen or resource to help you. At that point in time, you're so desperate. They're not seeing the end of the road. What you're seeing is where you are. Open your eyes or like we say, shine your eyes. Ownership, ownership. Always ask yourself, if you want to open and expand your business, who owns the business? Do I own this business or I'm opening it up to be torn apart? Another item that should make your list is the bank. What financial institution are you going to be in bed with? Who will be your partner? See, partnership is very key. Also, the bank you use will also be very key. You will need a friendly bank. Not just a friendly bank, a friendly bank manager. Why? Because your type of business will be financed better with a certain type of bank. There are merchant banks, there are commercial banks, there are uh, savings and uh, mortgage banks. So they're all manner of banks. So, you know, you need to know what type of bank will suit you. And you need a friendly bank manager, whether you like it or not. You need one. Now, it's not in your place because they will transfer them. What I'm telling you, in other words, you need to court the friendship of the bank manager. There are things that he or she will tell you from the inside that would actually help you thrive better with your business and may open your eyes to other opportunities because they see a lot of customers, they see a lot of business people, and they know what optimization is about, even though they may not necessarily be running their own businesses, but they see. So, Open your eyes, look for the right bank that meets what you require and make sure you court a friendly bank manager. Even if that person is not in any way, you know, a part of your business, which he wouldn't be, is an ally. She's an ally, a strong ally for that matter. There is an eighth person or personality I'd like you to consider. And that person is the accountant. I started with finance. And I'm asking you, you know, you need an accountant. Now, when you're starting a business, you need someone that will help you, that will help you put together all of these. An accountant will help you. Don't try to go it alone because you have an app 
that can do it for you, the accounting. No. At the early stage, you can afford. You can't afford to do most of this without a professional. Please and please. Later on, when you stabilize, you can outsource it, and then the person doesn't necessarily have to be on your payroll. But then that responsibility of accounting, either cost accounting and every other form of accounting you want, you need a professional. So think about it. Having a good accountant will help you stay sane. If you don't have a good accountant, you could actually go cuckoo. That's another thing. I once had an accountant who always made, he almost made me go cuckoo. Early days of corporate shepherds. Oh my God, I've learned the hard way. This gentleman, you know, I don't know, wherever he is, I, I declare peace to him and his household. This guy was one of the best you could have from the reverse, but he was very loyal. But when it came to looking at certain things that were done, um, he just put, put a big nail into my toe. Um, not because I wasn't aware of it, um, but, um, you know, then running the business, um, you know, like I said to you, corporation was, was something I was doing and I, I was at work and this was about me running seminars, having to fund them and all of that. So it was very straight jacketed. And you now realize that the postings he made were very, very awkward. And so when the taxman came one day, they now realize that, hey, this guy has filed the wrong thing and it could never be reversed. And I was out of the country. So I said to him, I've seen what you, I believe you know what to do. You're an accountant, go ahead. That was my undoing. And the guy put me in the wrong space. The last person that should be on your list, on my list here that I want to tell you, not the last actually, because we're running out of time, is a lawyer. Do you need one? Yes, you do. You need a lawyer. Now, another point that you need to decide on that list is the staff. Who else do you need to get things going? Too many people means that your business will struggle under the weight of too much cost. But too few may stop you from getting the work done. In my experience, it's very good to start with as few people as possible, but to make sure they are very good. And of course, don't forget, what price are you putting on the table? Friends, I hope you found this particular session quite interesting. When we come back on Thursday, by the grace of God, we'll move into a space of talking about annual budgeting. Is it a ritual or it's real life? What does budgeting do to you? And how does it help you in this whole process of making your dream a reality? Thank you so much for listening. If you have um, any questions, please send a note to contact at navigatewithid.com. You can also follow me on all my social media platforms. The handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. And so we come to the end of the business school today. I'll see you guys by God's grace on Thursday, three o'clock, same station, same space, and do the best you can because your best dreams come when you're awake. God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.